Unlike others who claim to be well-informed, I am an eyewitness to the events I describe, and I write this history so that future scholars will not have to rely, as do so many staring into the past in my day, on second-hand memories passed down over the years, their details worn away by time and retelling. I will include in my account what I did not see and hear myself, only if I learned of the events as they occurred and from those who were present. If my readers trust me, then they may trust my sources. First rule of Queen's Thief, trust no one, unreliable narratives only! Welcome, beekeepers! It's September 26th, 2021, and you're listening to the Aetolian Archives, your Queen's Thief reread podcast to help you recover from Return of the Thief. I'm Noelle. And I'm Caitlin, and we are now on Return of the Thief! Here we are, at ah! long last! We are sitting here, we've got the big old hardcovers. And we're we... in person, also. We're in person, we're looking at each other ah. across the room. Ah. We're gonna be done! We'll have finished ah. the whole thing. But we're going to enjoy those months. Oh, yeah. Every minute. I went into this book with a really different attitude than I went into Thick as Thieves. Mm -hmm. Because I think that I I had more trust and optimism going into it. Yeah, me too. Like, I started Thick as Thieves thinking, who's this guy? What are we doing? And there's this little introduction where Ferris talks about, I'm writing this for the historical record... Here's where my sources come from. Well, sort of. I either saw this or somebody who saw it sort of told me about it. Or somebody <laughs> who saw it was told about it by somebody who saw it. Or I just sort of inferred what happened. But he's the, like, it's both similar and different to what other narrators have done. Like, a lot of characters in Queen's Thief are writing accounts of events for historical record. But there's also personal element most of the time. Yeah, and Ferris here is trying to claim there is no personal element in his narrative. Yeah, He's this saying, is like, very... I, I saw this, but this is for history with a capital H, and I'm not going to get involved. And this is for the public, you know? He's not like, oh, Relius asked me to write this for him, like Kemet. And he's also maybe uh, the most serious about claiming to be a reliable narrator yeah jen never claims to be objective yeah, or so telling you the doesn't. truth no matter how many times i have come to my study to find words have been inked over or mocking comments added to my manuscript i have simply recopied these passages when the comments have been enlightening i have incorporated the information into my work and where other uninvited readers have left their questions i have sought to answer them it's like a reddit comment oh. section <laughs> I like to think that's how a lot of those, you know, single scenes without Ferris in them got in there. Mm -hmm. It's like Jen added them or Edith added them or whatever. And Ferris, he's very much introducing himself as a guy who is not going on a journey. Nothing is going to happen to me. I was just there. I, want, I had a question. Um, the sentence, I will include in my account what I did not see and hear myself only if I learned of the events as they occurred and from those who were present... Um, does as they occurred mean while they were happening? Yeah, that's... I imagine it means like, um, like right after they happened. 
Yeah. Rather than hearing like a year later, oh, did you know that this thing that you didn't know about happened? But he, he starts with his objective introduction. I am going to give you my account of the High King. And then he immediately starts, this is who I am. This is where I was born. This is what my childhood was like. And here's how my journey to come to the palace started. And he starts right out saying, though I was born to the house of Caesar, I am Arundides. Which I did not catch at the time. Yeah. Oh, and also in the introduction, um, he says, I am only a man. And then the first chapter is obviously taking place when he's a child. Mm-hmm. So we can see that there's also the distance that time has given to all this, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this book, more than any of the others, I mean, we can talk till the cows come home about how old Jen is in The Thief, mm-hmm. but this is much more of a childhood story. Mm-hmm. He's very much coming of age while all this is happening. And he's called Little um, by both by his nurse who cares about him and by the people who are insulting him. Mm-hmm. His nurse calls him Little One and Little Ferris and then uh, the servant and his mother call him Little Monster. And it does say... Um... Like, Gerudius was younger than he was, and uh, once Gerudius was old enough, he was moved to the main house. I never was. But um, I think historically, like, you know, bringing the kids back into the main house or, like, back into the family away from the nurse, for boys, I think that happened at, like, seven for nobles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can also talk until the cows come home about how old Ferris is, because that's never... Yeah. So many arguments about that online, but... That's okay, that is ambiguous too. Just like they all are. And just like the beginning of Kamet's narrative, Ferris is immediately starting out with this is my life and this is how having a disability is affecting myself and the narrative. He starts right off saying, second paragraph, um, I had been born with the infirmity that ran in my family um, and his mother decided not to kill him at birth. Yikes! <laughs> and arranged for a wet nurse and recorded my birth in the capital. Uh, they had, you know, the ceremony for him just to piss off her father. <laughs> and then turned him over to Melisandi and never showed interest in him again. And they don't have a name for Ferris's disability, or if they do, Ferris doesn't mention it. It's just mm-hmm. the infirmity that runs in the family. And just like with Kamet, um, Melisandi tells him to run, and then he wonders in the narrative, um, I wondered later if I hadn't sought an explanation, if I'd gone as soon as I'd been told, etc., would I have made it to the old Tron in the hills, and if I had made it there, what might have been different then? Mm-hmm. Gambit was wondering if he had just seen Costas coming, the whole course of this narrative could have been different. And the idea of the gods is brought in there because mm. his nurse is trying to get him to go to this shrine. Another interesting tiny detail from this is um, wet nurses are common for, or happening here with his mother. And Ferris says, I came to understand something my nurse never did. The less people want to see you, the easier it becomes to be invisible in plain sight. 
which is a surprise tool that will help us later. <laughs> there are two descriptions of animals in this chapter. There's uh, the bees that Ferris watches, which his fascination with the bees sort of um, uh, foreshadows his interest in math because he's he's interested in how orderly they are. In the patterns. Mm-hmm. And then And then the cat as well. And I wanted to know if you felt like there was a connection between those two things or or a reason that so much space is is devoted to describing these animals in this chapter yeah i think it it shows us more of his environment like the effect you know he he spends most of his days away from people or avoiding people studying the bees out in the woods he moves so quietly and slowly that he doesn't disturb this house cat hunting. I just kind of get the sense it's 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 there to show us the general distancing from the rest of the household, which we also get from like, oh, this is the first time a servant was allowed to hit me, but everyone else was allowed to hit me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole rest of the chapter just kind of feeds in with that, I think. And then people assume that Ferris doesn't have physical control over his body, but he's able to get up quietly enough that the cat doesn't notice. And then, of course, there's an explicit parallel between him and, and, and Arendides and the cat and the mouse. I froze as still as the mouse behind me hiding in deadly peril from the cat. So Ferris is kind of like, he's not part of the, the beehive. Where it's metaphorically linked to his father's hunt and... Mm-hmm. A household where everyone has a role. What did he says? All had a part to play. I think is what he says about the bees. Mm-hmm. All had a role to play, and it says that this. Uh, he writes, "My story begins in late summer. The days were still hot, but the grain was ripe, and the end of the year was on the horizon." So, I think this takes place very close on the heels of King of Tolia. Mm-hmm. And also, interestingly, the end of the year was on the horizon. Do you think that means the year ends with the harvest? Unlike for us where it ends... But we've never gotten much about the calendars or the dates or the months or how many days are in a week here. We have not. Always been interested. Do they have days of the week? We've never heard any mentioned, but I think weeks are mentioned. <laughs> right? Am I right? I they have to. Yeah. <laughs> and Ferris is sort of this this wild card that Arendides thinks he has up his sleeve because um Jen robbed him of his heirs, but he doesn't think of uh I'm gonna send Ferris to the palace and then Ferris will um do things. <laughs> You'll be an independent actor, perhaps. Um, so, Arendides says, when your firstborn has served his purpose, Gerudius will be my heir. Um, and Marina says, Gerudius will suit you, father. He knows what he owes his family. Better than you, said Arendides. I know what a woman owes her family. Have I not provided my husband with sons? Her smile was ugly. But now you are restored, daughter, to the family of Arendides. Gerudius is my family, and my loyalty will be to him and my other children. So I just thought that was that was an interesting 
little nugget of gender in there. Mm. That once a woman's married, her loyalties to her husband's family. Yeah. In her opinion. Which may be exacerbated by the fact that she ran away to marry this person and then got cast off. But, nonetheless. And it's interesting that Ferris says he doesn't know what made his parents want to get married. That Mm -hmm. they're not really similar. And I don't think we see them interact. And his mother is very much like her father. Which is probably why they have so much conflict. There's so much bad blood, I'm sure, between her and her father mm-hmm. about where her duty was. And I think she might, um, you know, there's, 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 there's so much ableism surrounding Ferris and, um, you know, the, the servants make a hex sign when they see him. They're very superstitious about how this is somehow bad luck, a curse, yeah. uh, They think he sours the milk. Yeah, the ire of the gods. And so it's very possible that um, it could be seen as like a failure on his mother's part. There's a bitterness to, I provided my husband with sons because only one of them is seen as having any worth at all. And she says other children, other sisters... Yeah, Ferris, at one point or another, he mentions sisters in the plural, but it's like one mention. Hmm. And you have to assume, or I I assumed, he doesn't know them since he's kept away from the house. Yeah. He only knows Juridius because Juridius was raised with him. Everybody's got secret sisters. Yeah. There's a little bit of ambiguity in the last page here about which Juridius are they all mentioning Oh, hmm. I just went back to look, and it's not mentioned in this chapter that uh, his father's name is also Juridius. Hmm. So, I remember being a little bit confused at this page, because they're talking about both Juridius, the father, and Juridius, the son. But you don't know that there are two Juridiuses. (laughs) Colum Jr. The opening of this book is most similar to A Conspiracy of Kings. In terms of the main character being kidnapped. And um, Sophos is sold into slavery. And Ferris is... And Ferris is... He's pressed into service, essentially. Mm. Starts with the family scene. Yeah. Man, fathers are so fraught in this whole thing. Mm. Minister of War! Oh, we're going to get a lot of that in this book. We also get a rare description of hairstyle. <laughs> uh, that his mother has beads on the braids, thin braids by her face that Ferris has always wanted to touch, but he knows he can't get close to her. Man, so many oh. costume design opportunities. Yeah. Please, Disney Plus. <laughs> oh, another thing that his mother says is Sejanus is no match for me. Which, I'm a little disappointed that that didn't come to fruition, you know? Yeah. I would have liked her to be a bigger character. She had a lot of potential. Yeah. It's true. But only villain potential, and these people had enough problems. And of course, the back of the book says, This is a book about the reign of the High King. It is written by the grandson of the Baron Arendides, because history is written by the winners. And you... It's obviously a little fake out, but... Yeah. I heard that and I was like, don't 
fall for it, but I fell for it and worried anyway. <laughs> and I like that we already get a sense of Ferris's character in this in this beginning chapter. We we know that even though he has all these these challenges with the people around him, um He's up for it. Attention for an ugly child such as I was never posited, but I had my repertoire of seemingly accidental defenses. To my nurse's distress, I enjoyed tipping plates of food or wine into my tormentor's laps. Um, so he's defending himself. Yeah. chapter one next time we see jen jen we didn't have to wait the whole book this time send us your comments questions and thoughts chime in at atolianarchives.tumblr.com be blessed in your endeavors